0: Hi everybody, it's the girl out there, right here with you, it's me Cindy. We're not just here for a podcast, we're here for a Friday Cup of Bliss experience. A space where energy flows, souls connect, and the fun never stops. Whether we're diving into light-hearted banter, or jumping straight into the depths of meaningful conversation, this is your invitation to join the party. So grab your favorite cup of something yummy and remain open-minded. Be curious and invite a friend to listen along too. Tune on in Hi, it's the girl out there, right here
1: with you. It's me, Cindy, and this week I am here with Jordan Bruce. Hello, Jordan.
2: Hello, Jordan,
1: <laughs> Jordan is um, well. She's a nutritionist, uh, special. Well, I don't even know—is it specializing or you're okay? Good in uh, gotten hormones, helping women worldwide reclaim their digestive uh, and hormone health plant-based nutrition expert uh voted by the community uh in 2021 and 22
2: you got it yes. okay good what that was-, was the community for best nutritionist in vancouver oh and best nutritionist yes sorry i was reading off and i was all the words were
1: going really really fast <laughs> i was like i want to make sure i do it right you did amazing so, welcome jordan how are you I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yes, so nice to see you. And, uh, you know, I always like to share a little bit about how we met. And we have not met in person. We discovered more that we actually have more links of how we met now in, in this community, which is exciting. But I uh, I met you through the little windows of Instagram. I started following you just, I guess, somehow, you know, how those algorithm works, work. And I I loved your posts. I loved what you were sharing uh, as a woman in my mid-40s. Uh, the things that I was drawn to years ago, now suddenly I'm like, oh, what is what are you sharing? It was something about chickpeas, I remember, was the first thing. And I immediately went out and grabbed chickpeas. I started to try it. It was a recipe you were showing. I think I actually even messaged you like, I loved that. <laughs> Shared it in mine. Um and so I just immediately started sharing your your information in my stories. Then people were actually um, messaging me, my clients and people who follow me going, who is this? I want to know more. Uh, so I love that. I love that link of um, excitement. So uh, I said to you, I would love to have you on. And also, just curious how you came to this place of uh, what you are doing now, a little
2: bit about your story, and then we're just going to dive right in. Okay, I love it. I'll keep, try and keep it succinct. So, essentially, I thought I was going to become a police officer. I went to SFU in Burnaby for criminology and psychology. And I used to work as a loss prevention officer, undercover security at London Drugs, arresting people who like shoplifted. And it was just kind of going in that direction. And then once I finished university, I got a job as a police dispatcher. So very like criminal justice oriented. Everything kind of seemed like, you know, I was going to head there. And then I did the practice POPAT, which is like the police physical test. And I tore my ACL during lap five of six. And I've torn my ACL prior as well. And then I kind of had this moment of pause and reflection about, Do I try again, which obviously giving up is not ideal in many situations, but it kind of just had a moment to pause and reflect because I had been doing two day shifts, two night shifts, 12 hours shifts doing police dispatching, which is kind of a similar schedule to policing. I noticed changes in mood. I was stressed. I noticed changes in digestion because stress and digestion are so linked. So I decided to actually go get some basic training and work at an integrative clinic and go casual at my full-time job. Hmm. And then when I was working there, I kind of realized I need, I want more training. So then I went to school for two years to become a board certified registered holistic nutritionist and the day of my exam I knew I was going to pass because of my grade. So the day of my exam, I opened up my own business. And I've been nutrition consulting for ooh, almost eight years now. So a very drastic switch from. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like the old lady in class. Like, you know, a lot of people were in nutrition school in their early 20s. And that was their post-secondary choice of schooling. Whereas I had was doing this pivot and kind of going back to school to learn more things in my 30s. And you just, like, was it just a feeling inside? You
1: just knew this was it? Yeah.
2: Well, because I started to see the link between the job I was doing, the lifestyle I was living, my mood and digestion, and how I could change those things. When I was working at this integrative creative clinic, I saw the power of nutrition and herbs and lifestyle. And then also, because I used to be a workaholic, um, I also had a job part-time at Lululemon at the Metrotown store during the Olympics. And they have a library there of books that you can borrow. And I randomly took out the book called Skinny Bitch. I do not like that name. However, it kind of talked about living a more plant-based lifestyle. And at the time I was an omnivore and I like would make chicken and broccoli. (laughs) And it kind of was the beginning of my plant-based journey, which has been over a decade now. And so for people who may not know, what is an omnivore? Yeah. So I, I try not to use categories too often, but sometimes it's just easier for, to, for the sake of explaining, but someone who basically eats um, meat or animal products as well as their veggies and fruit. And it's actually a lower dose of meat. I can't remember off the top of my head than one would imagine. Like our society is very into animal protein Yeah, and uh, we don't really like we just don't really have a name for a higher animal protein diet, but omnivore is um, there's like a certain amount of animal products that you're eating uh, per week. And then, you know, there's like the whole keto and paleo thing, but I just kind of try to focus on what we can include more of in our diet. So even if my clients are consuming animal products, let's focus on increasing those veggies and fruit and a healthy fiber. That's good for our microbiome and our hormone health.
1: Okay. And then, so see, already learning things. (laughs) And so then you, did you switch? So you're now practicing. You've now started
2: this journey eight, what what did you say? Eight or nine years ago? I've been consulting for about eight, just over eight years. And then my own business, well, I guess it's been my own business the whole time, really. Um, Yeah. I've worked in, I used to have an office in Gastown and then COVID happened and it just wasn't sustainable anymore to pay for office space. And then I became virtual. And now I have the ability of shipping hormone testing and uh, microbiome and stool testing to people's houses, which is amazing because we just meet on Zoom and then they get all this very cool life-changing info and you can live anywhere in the world. And do you
1: find that with that hormone testing, like I've just been talking to a few people about how much information you can find from these tests uh, that really can explain so much about what's going on now that we're going to maybe jump right into what all of the hormone testing is. Um, and like, I know for myself, I, I work with, um, well with a naturopath and when she's like, I'm just going to take all of the, these tests and we're going to see where you're at, what your levels are at. Um, and from that we can, it doesn't maybe show all of the information, but it gives a data point to where I am. And, and then we kind of can go from there on what where I, does that make sense where I can yeah. kind of,
2: yeah. So what I kind of say is I don't usually get um, like the super basic nutrition clients. I love working mm-hmm. with them, but usually people come to me after, you know, they p- have been experiencing these issues or these imbalances or symptoms for quite a while and they really want help. And they are the ones that usually want the testing because, you know, they've already worked on their lifestyle. They've already tried basic nutrition tips And so always start with the basics. And a lot of people could use help there. Like, are they even getting enough sleep? Um, And then they come to me after. And the the hormone testing is great if you've, you've covered those basics and it's gonna look at cortisol and our adrenal health directly impacts perimenopause symptoms. So if you're going into perimenopause and, you know, our ovaries are shutting down they're not going to be making these hormones anymore and it's a lot of the hormones are switching to the adrenal glands so if your adrenal glands are already taxed and already have super high cortisol you're pumping out all this cortisol all the time and you're going to have a harder transition likely to perimenopause and have more symptoms
1: and so this is what we were talking about you and i off camera but the can, do you want to talk a little bit about what perimenopause is and
2: what menopause is? Cause that, I don't think I really grasped even going into it. Mm -hmm. So the age range is different for everyone, but the, the kind of average age is usually 51, but perimenopause is the range, you know, prior to menopause and menopause is when your menstrual cycle has ceased for one full year. So if you're still cycling, even though it's irregular, that's considered perimenopause and it could be from, you know, age, well, menopause is age 45 to 55. That's kind of like the window usually, but there are, you could start earlier for other people. Um, and essentially it's a loss of ovarian follicular function and our estrogen levels are decreasing, which is why we see symptoms. A lot of the symptoms are actually because of the estrogen going down. So like an increased risk of osteoporosis and because estrogen is protective over our bone health, for example. So a lot of these symptoms are due to the decline of estrogen.
1: Okay, and so when, so you've got, there are, what are our main hormones in there? There's
2: estrogen, progesterone. Yes, so the two sex hormones that women usually are shifting, there's a shift in, is estrogen and progesterone. And we do have testosterone as well, but it's not directly impacted from my knowledge um, in perimenopause. It's more the estrogen and progesterone that's fluctuating. And that's why the periods become irregular because, you know, one day it could be high and then the next day it's low. And so it's kind of all over the place. And usually the menstrual cycle is shortening. The days are getting shorter. So maybe you're like a 30-day cycler normally. It could be going to 27 days um so the transition can be gradual uh but it's and, due to the estrogen and like, also like
1: i don't know what i i found for myself it was like intense like you would just suddenly be like like well i'll just be yeah like and
2: flowing it. like a <laughs> yeah. right yeah that can happen too it, and it, it can be really heavy and um sometimes even clotty. um So it really varies person to person on the symptoms and what the transition looks like. You know, some people are having like vaginal dryness, anxiety, depression, brain fog, like inability to like focus and concentrate like they used to, you know, the ones we talk about more often, um, like the hot flashes, night sweats, insomnia, there can be changes in, um, sex drives, like it, so many symptoms that sometimes people don't associate how they're feeling with perimenopause because it's not discussed enough. Yeah.
1: And so that's the thing I think when I started to look it up to go, well, and you'll know the exact number, but like, it was like the 38 symptoms associated with this. And when you're saying that even right to know, like yeah. you you don't, you don't have a higher sex drive anymore, or you have anxiety or you have depression or like the list, basically your whole life is shifting within you and then you're projecting that out and realizing like do I actually want to share what's going on is this me but it can be all of these hormone changes um and so people don't often want to reach
2: out because they think there's something wrong with them um I think you're totally right on that and I wish that women shared it more in their circles and with their partners because it can take a toll on the relationship as well um and You know, we don't discuss the fact that like shift in weight is normal and often does occur. And we're so stuck in trying to stay and look how we used to and like going backwards. And it's very normal to gain weight during this transition. And there hasn't been a transition like that probably since, you know, if you had kids, maybe, or when you were a teenager going through puberty. Yes. Yeah. I was saying
1: that too, of um, like, I know for like this, the smell of sweat shifts. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've talked to a few people who are like, do you smell like onions suddenly? And then another person, yes, it's onions. I was like, why is, why are we actually changing
2: in our yeah. smell? Um, And, and that's because that- of the testosterone. Yeah. And it, yeah. And also it, the, the difference in testosterone is one part, but then also when there's more testosterone, more bacteria, can build, which then smells. And that can be why we get a shift in like acne or skin changes. And then also just due to more hot flashes, there may be more sweating occurring. It is again, normal, but not discussed, not discussed. And so what are like some of the
1: tips we were talking about a few Mm -hmm. tips, like, are there certain tips that are better for sleep versus
2: like, do you know what, like, you'd oh, be like, it's all based on the symptom. Like, I do completely different things for each client based on symptoms. So, for sleep, I love like passion flower, so sedatives or mild sedatives, um, valerian root. You could do capsule, you could do tincture, you can do teas. Um, I collabed with Genuine Tea on a really good, uh, sleep tea. Okay. Absolutely amazing, it tastes delicious, and it has the passion flower, the valerian in it. and, It's just amazing for that, you know, sometimes we are wired and tired at night, or that could be due to a cortisol imbalance, or maybe we just, our gut isn't where we want it to be and our melatonin is impacted. So having that cup of tea or those herbs just kind of helps us unwind and just makes us feel sleepier. And it's just helpful for getting to bed and and staying asleep. Um, Blood sugar balancing Our blood sugars are supposed to rise when we have carbohydrates. That's very normal, but it is good to mitigate that roller coaster with fats and protein and fiber. So throughout the day, if we're doing that, we're probably going to have more stable blood sugar and it won't impact our sleep as much at night. And so like, I always,
0: this,
1: that this just comes from, I remember there was a thing once like don't eat cheese after a certain hour
2: of the day. Does that really? still relate? Oh, um, I'm not that, I'm not that hardcore. No, I would like, I don't eat dairy personally, but, um, it does have protein and fat. So I feel like that would be a nice balanced a Nice guess. balance. Okay. good. Yeah. But like, yeah, I'm all like, you know, it, there's so many other options. Like I try, um, I focus a lot on digestion and, and gut health and the increase in saturated fats, which are from animal proteins, slow down our motility, which is the rate at which food is moving through your colon. So if right. someone's prone to constipation, having yeah. like a higher dairy or meat diet is going to make them more constipated. Right. So um, and then when we're more constipated, it impacts our estrogen levels. Cause we reabsorb hormones that the body is trying to excrete that we're done with. And then also we can get bloated, which is super uncomfortable. And then we can also get what's called dysbiosis. So there's like a imbalance in good and bad bacteria because the feces is just like the stool's like sitting there and it's not being emptied. So I usually try and recommend like a low, well, actually I always recommend a low saturated fat diet. <laughs> Well,
1: and as we're aging, right, we have a harder time processing things.
2: Yeah, that is actually true. Your hydrochloric acid or stomach acid levels um, do decrease with stress, with age. A lot of my clients, um, when we do the gut testing, uh, we learn that, well, not a lot. Well, yeah, a good significant amount. We learn that they have what's called H. pylori, which is a bacteria and that can actually uh, decrease your stomach acid levels as well. So it kind of goes undiagnosed, and people are like, "Why am is there undigested food in my stool? Or why is my transit time slower?" Um, I actually have a, the instructions on how to do a uh, beat transit time test on my website, which would be helpful okay. for people. So you can this- see if you eat the food, like how long after does it show up in the stool? Whoa! Yeah there's like corn or beets are usually used sesame seeds. Um, but yeah, they're just the, the interplay between the gut and hormones is huge. And I usually start with the gut because so much of it is impacted by.
1: So how long do you want things to like, what do you, what is the ideal time? Look, I'm doing like the, I am thinking of the the ideal time for something to be within
2: you till it is
1: transferred? Out. Um,
2: so usually I eat like around 12 hours and oh. if it's too, like 12 to 24 is good. If it's too fast, that's also not good. If if you eat something and, and you see it in your stool within six to eight hours, you're likely, it's just going through you. And I see that more in my IBSD clients, um, which is diarrhea. And you're not absorbing that food. You're not breaking it down and that's right. not good. Um, so they're often undernourished and you know, irritated. Um And then too slow is also not good. So it's just this fine line, this fine balance. If you were to go to a Western medical doctor, their transit time is significantly longer and, you know, their definition of constipation is going to be um, like, it's okay to not go to the bathroom for a couple days. And like, I do not agree with that. Like you should be eliminating every single day for your hormone and gut health.
1: Oh, that, but I think that's even that learning that I'm like, that's a great thing to just yeah. begin to know. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah, And then like other tips for perimenopause and just overall hormone health, like focusing on just, we have a liver, it does detoxification. However, we can support it further. Some people are on medications. Um, we are exposed to a ton of chemicals. People are eating the standard North American diet. Like our liver probably does need a little bit more love, so choosing bitter foods is really helpful. So like arugula, cruciferous, you know, dandelion tea. Oh, all those things are some care provider about it. But castor oil can be um, kind of popular on Instagram right now, but it's been used for a long time. And you can get creams or oil and it can help like increase circulation in the body. And it can be used for like liver detoxification. And you kind of put it on your liver or on your uterus and um yeah can be unhealed inflammatory as well so you're not drinking it you no. are massaging it yes right. and that's actually a good clarification because if you are overdue for your pregnancy some people do consume it
1: oh <laughs> yeah be- right you hear that yeah but I loved it because you had said you'd mentioned to me liver loving uh when yes. we talked And I have been saying that now for the last, like, Oh, liver loving, liver loving. And I've actually been adding some more bitters into my diet. Um, and it's just such a neat little, like, I don't know why that stuck with me so much, but it was just such, it's a simple little thing like liver loving and adding a little bitter into your, your day every day. It's actually quite simple. And I love the idea of anything simple. Um, but I know is actually helpful. Um, it's it's just it
2: becomes better habits right liver yeah. loving okay just yeah just throw and that like in. some people will take it up a notch and they'll use like a bitters tincture prior to meals and that kind of helps more digestive juices and flows and like bile kind of um start being secreted which is also helpful but you know it's not for everyone sometimes it's hard to remember there is a cost associated with it um so i do really like it for a lot of my clients but just more on a case by case basis if you but always eat your food first. You can't supplement your way out of a, a bad diet. Yeah. Yes. And then I do want to mention uh, the role of minerals because uh, your magnesium and calcium levels are super important during perimenopause. Your need for calcium goes up once you're in menopause. And I do have a freebie download that I just made a couple of weeks ago, actually on my website, jordanbruce.ca. And it has uh, the four main minerals you want to focus on. And it has, examples of foods with the amount of milligrams per serving in there and some yeah. recipes. Okay. Oh, good. We'll add that link in. Cause yeah. I, I think that's such a
1: big thing. We focus for so long on, uh, and not to diminish running or things. Yeah, I was a big runner, um, but then the idea—what I've started to learn—is uh, the importance of walking and the importance of like that—that is so good for our bones. And then how the turn to strength training or whatever that might look like or yoga um, in in women's health, right? That shift even uh, can change and alter and bone health. So thinking about that with calcium, like our our bones become so much, well, they're always yeah. important, but right. You're that right. Right.
2: There's more yeah. of a risk once we get to menopause. And I love that you brought that up because the bone mineral density resistance training and doing weights is really helpful. If your body can handle jumping like that is also really good for bone growth and density. And then, you know, walking and running aren't as helpful but i'm a still a huge proponent of walking for so many reasons including you know the nervous system you know there's research that shows just us being around nature in the forest is healing you know it can support healthy cortisol levels so i'm a huge proponent of walking and then trying to find the time to do weights. and if you're a woman too and you are uh, are worried about like bulking like that's not going to happen you know you're not going to get too big And if people are concerned about weight changes, doing the resistance training is amazing. And it's also really good for the vasomotor symptoms, like reducing hot flashes.
1: Can we talk a little bit about hot flashes? Just because I don't, I, I, I always share this with people. I only had one hot flash. I had absolutely no idea what was happening, but I was sitting there and then suddenly it was like my internal self went like on fire and I was sweating just like, pouring out of me everyone's looking at me and I was like I think I need to leave like what just happened and I was drenched and so then I assumed they would just continue happening and then that never happened again interesting and so fascinating it was probably five years four or five years ago and then it just didn't happen um other many other symptoms have happened um but I'm so curious uh you know what what is that and why is that and
2: yeah so uh Basically, your body is too warm. And from my understanding, what the body does is it actually makes you warmer so that you sweat to cool down. So it's like intentionally trying to bring down your temperature by making you hotter. It's kind of backwards, but it's because you're running hotter. And so what's really great for hot flashes is consuming cytoestrogens which yeah. are the really weak, really weak estrogens. They're 1000 times weaker than our actual sex hormone estrogen. And so that's, you know, flax seeds, tofu, like soy products. And so not to fear the soy. And there is research that is out of Japan that shows that Japanese women have way less hot flashes because they've been consuming soy their entire lives. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, and now that's the soy information, right? There's we've had so many so much mincer information, and that's my next blog post that i really need to get to and i'm asked about it all the time and i it drives me bananas on instagram and tiktok seeing people say if you eat soy foods your men are going to have like breasts and it's going to negatively impact your hormones it's completely untrue and all of the research on including soy products shows benefits so like reduce risks for several types of cancers including breast cancer And so here, like 10 years ago, people were telling, you know, if you got diagnosed with breast cancer, like, make sure you stay away from soy. It's actually the opposite. Like, let's eat it so we don't get breast cancer again. So how do you how does that research like that that ballooned here? Yeah. So uh, even in school, in my nutrition training, they they basically said if your estrogen levels are high, you should avoid soy products. But what's happened now is there's more research and research just takes a while and it's behind. But what basically how it works in the body is the estrogen, the phytoestrogen looks similar in nature to estrogen. So let's pretend your estrogen levels are really high. By consuming a phytoestrogen, the estrogen goes in and takes the place of the stronger estrogen, bringing down your estrogen. Because remember, it's a thousand times weaker. Right. If you're impairing menopause or menopause and your estrogen is low, then consuming the phytoestrogens is also beneficial because you're getting some of these 1,000 times weaker estrogens versus not getting any. So it's good in both cases. Of course. Yeah. So like using soy milk is amazing because you you want 1,200 milligrams of calcium per day if you're in menopause and a cup of, I don't even know offhand, how much calcium is in a cup of soy milk, but it is fortified for calcium. It might be like 30% per cup, but I'm totally guessing there. Um so, you know, including the tofu and the soy milk is helpful because you're getting the calcium, you're getting healthy fats that are unsaturated right. from the soy, and you're also getting protein. So it's blood sugar balancing versus choosing like an oat or an almond, not bashing those, but they yeah. don't have as much of the healthy fats. They're usually watered down and there's usually no protein. Wow, yeah, and just oh and one more tip for hot yes. flashes, um, talk to your practitioner, but look into sage tea. Why? It can help with hot flashes and it just it just lowers them down. and it's also antimicrobial, so depending on what is going on in the gut, like I always start with gut health testing versus hormone testing because of that. Fluctuation in, in sex hormones. Like, yes, I love looking at melatonin. I love looking at cortisol and like seeing where you are, like nerding out, but they are very expensive tests. So I usually prioritize starting with gut health. And the amount of information we get is just mind blowing. Like, you know, bacteria, bad bacteria levels, good bacteria levels, infections like H. pylori, candida, parasites, the health of the intestinal tract. Like, how's the immune system doing? Is it responding to pathogens? You know, how is the body reacting to gluten? Like, is there an immune response there? Like, it's...
1: Oh, you agree. Like, I think that's the first step always. Like, when somebody says you're... Well, I don't want to... If somebody might have anxiety, but they haven't looked at what's happening in the gut that actually is making that happen, we have to first rule out everything else because maybe they're just tired and all the other... Not just tired, but when you release that part, then you get the answer to those and then you can go to the next step. So it makes perfect sense. Can you just quickly
2: describe h pylori yeah so h pylori is a bad bacteria it likes to burrow into our like stomach lining so it's smart and it evades stomach acid so that means our normally our stomach acid would kill a pathogen if you had sufficient levels and if you don't you're more likely to get h pylori parasites all these things so um the majority i would say 50% of the population has H. pylori and oh yeah, it's really high, but not everyone has high levels of it. Like you could have H. pylori, but the level's so low that I would never support that. I would just, if you don't have the symptoms, I would just let it live. But a lot of my clients come to me, they have heartburn, they have trouble with digestion, they have bloating, they have low B12, they have low iron. And then I'm like, okay, you, you might have H. pylori. And then it comes back really high. A few of my clients have had um, what's called virulence factors positive on my the, the GI map that I offer, and that means they're at a very high risk, well, uh, oh, higher risk of getting ulcers. So, you know, some of my clients have had stomach ulcers because of the H. pylori. There's a 2% chance that if you leave H. pylori unsupported that you would get stomach cancer. yeah so I um in kids there's some research showing it actually may be beneficial uh with respect to allergies and like fighting off common allergies that kids get um but i 99% of my practice is adult females so we're usually supporting it and I actually am so excited my client that had stomach ulcers she just sent me her updated like I just saw her updated GI map And I have like a before and after shot and we did not use antibiotics. We used herbs and it's gone. So she went from really high with virulence factors and like ulcers. She had to go to the hospital in the U S and then now with the protocol that I gave her, it's, she's has no more H pylori. So that's proof that the research is currently showing there are powerful herbs and like matcha green tea and, and garlic and things we can do. But I see in practice that the herbs are working
1: and that well that's amazing
2: and i know because the side effects like there are times we need to take antibiotics in life i'm not saying we don't need to take them but if we can avoid it so we don't get antibiotic resistance and some of the antibiotics um on the gi map it'll actually show you if you are resistant to the antibiotic they use so some this client was also resistant to that antibiotic
1: That's the thing I I really love because I've had to use so many antibiotics uh, for different things and it it kills your system.
2: Oh yeah. It wipes out the bad bacteria, which we obviously needed to do, but it also wipes out the good and that can be associated. I can't can't remember the stats, but it's like, there's definitely an increase in depression after taking antibiotics. Okay. Just because of that beneficial good bacteria is now wiped out. So it's really important to replenish probiotics if taking an antibiotic and matcha matcha yeah i love matcha <laughs> what do you want to know oh <laughs> um, well i just everyone i
1: everyone i talk to they're like oh i got a m- matcha a matcha i'm like hey what is this yes. why do i
2: need to have this yeah. and so what i so love good? it this is totally not sponsored but my no. favorite brand that i order most often i'm kind of a matcha snob is uh sore in north Bend. it's owned by chris and megan they're two like sweet people um, they always write a handwritten note every time I order and everyone else gets a handwritten note. I don't know how they have the time and they always have amazing sales. So I always, cause matcha can be pricey. I always wait for it to go on sale and I buy three or four bags and it's organic. There's nothing else in it. It's this beautiful, bright green color. And I did a reel on it recently and, and showed the difference between coffee and matcha, how it's absorbed in the body so coffee is this really high you know energy boost and then you drop so fast and so low that people end up crashing and they get tired and they reach for more coffee whereas with matcha it's more this like stable energy you're cruising it has l-theanine in it so you feel alert but you feel like calm and not like jittery okay it's amazing Tastes good so the key i love it i love the taste um if you use boiling hot water like 212 degrees, it can burn the matcha and that tastes disgusting and it burnt. So my kettle has a feature. Um or you could just boil it and then let it cool down a bit. Usually I use about 180, 190 on my kettle. And um, then I, I I personally whisk it, but you can get those like little electric frother things. Yeah. And I um i am also really into this chai blend that I've been getting from Bloom. And I add that. So it's like a matcha chai in the winter. Mm. And then I add soy milk. Okay. It's delicious. I don't personally add sweetener, but the average person may want like some maple syrup or some honey. This is okay, this is gonna be my new try. I gotta do yeah. this. And okay. actually I just did a challenge with Joya, which was um paid via products, so not really paid, but they um they're great. I love their turmeric and, and chocolate blend so good for like elixirs at night and someone actually messaged me saying i did the seven day matcha challenge with you and i cut coffee out and they messaged me on instagram saying i feel so much better i'm going off coffee
1: okay i'm gonna try this
2: and turmeric i love that so that's okay i'm gonna try that yeah yeah good
1: Okay. So I also had a question I wanted to ask about, um, this is more a curiosity, uh, because I've had some, not so many, I've had some people talking about the new Zempac. Is it a Zempac. Oh, oh, Zempec. Yeah. Oh, Zempec. Zempec. Um, yeah. and I'm curious, um, to have more information. I'm always curious about these things that people are doing, not out of, um, well, more out of curiosity, what we always are kind of looking for the next uh, thing. I think it's very good for people who are, I guess it's diabetic or um those, those things. It's the same thing. I thought, actually, I'm going to jump to something else and then I'll jump right back. It's the same yeah. thing when the vet, va- the vape was done for people to help them with smoking. Yes. And I thought, oh, that's a great thing that we, we are developing for people to get them to not smoke. And suddenly now we have all these people on baits um so it's a curiosity i have um if, you know if you know more about it because we've just yeah. suddenly we got everyone doing that
2: yeah and interestingly enough um berberine has been called it's been kind of nicknamed the natural ozempic and mm-hmm. i would always recommend talking to your practitioner about the possibility of exploring this herb called berberine prior to taking Ozempic because if you can do it with less side effects, um, well, not to say there's less side effects with a herb. Herbs can cause side effects as well. It just really varies person to person and if your body if it likes it. Um, and berberine is antimicrobial, so I use it in my practice for that. I use it with my PCOS clients because it helps stabilize blood sugar levels, and so it can be helpful as well. And I think it's really important if you are go- like I wouldn't recommend it, but if you are going ahead with Ozempic just being aware of the potential side effects, like is what you look like worth running to the bathroom and having diarrhea, feeling nauseous all the time, having abdominal pain, maybe vomiting, like, and then the impacts of like constipation or diarrhea. And it's just hard because as, I think we don't like change, you know, I'm aging, I'm getting more wrinkles than I thought I would, you know, I'm not going to do anything about it, but I'm like, oh, these wrinkles. And it's, and menopause is kind of similar. And like, we are normally going to gain weight. That is a normal thing that happens during menopause, but it's not discussed, you know? And so like postpartum, I went and bought new jeans instead of trying to lose weight postpartum and like get into my old jeans. Like I just accepted that I needed bigger pants. And that's something that it may be hard to hear, but I do think we need to talk about the fact that gaining weight in menopause is normal and focus on like what we can do, like weight training, eating more protein um, as we age. That's also important. Having fiber versus always running to a prescription drug to try and look like how we used to look.
1: Yeah. I, well, no, I think, I think it's such an important thing. I, I know for myself, it's, it's just this kind of slow, slow shift that's happening. Yeah. And then you're suddenly like, oh, what's what is that? And yeah. yeah. And then and then you just kind of go like I I can't, I'm not gonna go back.
2: But then I have to kind of sit sometimes. Sometimes I go to the mirror and I'm like, oh yeah. And then also like not to say that what I offer is absolutely like amazing and like changing for everybody, but it kind of is. But um working on the inflammation in your gut is helpful. Like when there's inflammation present and there's this unknown infection going on, it's going to cause weight changes. So my I don't yes. work on weight at all in my practice. Um, I, if someone were to come to me and they you know, I have an application for one-on-one work and they put weight, like I probably wouldn't want to work with them. Um, but if they were open to working on gut and hormones and seeing what's going on and then naturally weight changes, yes. I would work with them. And that's what happens. It's like the majority of my clients who maybe have their weight has shifted in the last little bit and we're not focusing on weight loss at all. We're not restricting calories at all, but just by supporting their gut and their hormones, the weight shifts yes. in a healthy way. In
1: a healthy way, because I think that's I I think that's the curiosity of I completely understand why people might be jumping to it. And we're all kind of going in that boat of like, oh, my gosh, everybody's looking one way and suddenly I'm going another way. And should I go that way? And what does that mean? But then you start to look at these things and go, but doesn't I don't know if that's correct. And it's it suddenly is, I think, acceptance. When you said a few times, I'm accepting of this and accepting of it. And we kind of relax into that to go, actually, it sort of feels okay to just begin to accept this. And I didn't even
2: mention the, the, I probably should uh, mention the actual more serious, but maybe rare side effects from the ozempic is thyroid tumors and cancer. So I already feel like so many people around me and in our lives are getting cancer. Why, like, is it worth intentionally putting yourself at a higher risk of, getting cancer to be more thin. Yeah. And then yeah, I don't I personally hated being nauseous during my pregnancy. (laughs) I was nauseous the whole nine months. So I cannot imagine intentionally taking a drug that would make me nauseous. I
1: know. Yes.
2: Uh, I know I think just welcoming in this
1: space of like where we are at, Mm -hmm. um, and it is, it is a beautiful, it's a beautiful and scary and awful place all at the same time right um and I kind of do agree it's like when you're 13 and you know you had you had that freedom when you were a little kid and suddenly get to that next paid space and it's kind of really awkward because you're like whoa all my limbs are different and weird and strange and do I feel okay and that's where I kind of feel like we're we're at again where you're like
2: I was really beginning to own who I was and then suddenly
1: I don't know what's happening
2: yeah and I think you know, um, I would love to find a great therapist, but I think that talk therapy is really important during that transition. Uh, especially if you can find a woman that's gone through it and, you know, is an expert in that as well, because I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, but I was reading like a lot of divorces occur. And, um, you know, just like where I'm at in my life right now, like I'm in the young toddler phase and it is really hard on the relationship to you know have a toddler, and it's the same thing with perimenopause. Like you know, your mood is changing. You may be more irritated, and that can be very difficult. So like your body is changing, your mood's changing, your brain it feels different. You know, um, yeah. Some people are just getting itchy. Like it's just there's there's oh, so many yeah. symptoms, and it's just such a big shift that you know really tapping into you know all the different avenues for holistic support. Is ideal.
1: I love this. The, thank you. We obviously could talk for years.
2: Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to keep going. What? Uh, where can people reach reach you? Yeah. To- yeah. So my website is just jordanbruce.ca, and then I r- just last very recently switched from uh, to my Instagram handle, and it's now jordanbruce.nutrition. And I'm on TikTok as well. But the main thing would be like my Instagram and my website. Oh,
1: amazing. Thanks. And I have a
2: ton of, like, if you're just looking for, you know, complimentary information at this time and you're, you know, you're not financially there, then there's uh, a newsletter that goes out once a month with great info and recipes. And then I also have a blog section that's divided into recipes, lifestyle and nutrition with tons of info
1: it I think no matter what you are such an amazing resource with so many things if people want to follow you that's great I will say though too I know that uh tapping into you for more would be such a benefit so yeah. to anyone thank you thank you thank you
0: thank you so much for being with us again today And as always, I leave you with a simple yet powerful invitation, pay it forward, take a moment today to do something kind for someone else. Whether it's a smile, a kind word, a small act of generosity, let's create a ripple effect of good in the world when it is needed more than ever.